Hello my lovelies, welcome back. Unless this is your first time, um, welcome to F'd Up True Crime. Um, so if you're new to us, make sure you head over to the social media pages of F'd Up True Crime. E double F E D up true crime because um, it's a so your Instagram Facebook Twitter Tumblr all those sorts of social media sites because we do put up things related to cases on those pages sometimes they make it to the podcast sometimes they don't um, updates if there are ever any updates we will be updating um, it onto the pages so just to keep up with everything that goes on in this wacky world. Um, uh, yeah, and so just, yeah. This week, or today, I think I'll be doing tomorrow. So today, not this week. Um, I wanna let you know that this is actually a pedophile case and um, that there could be triggers. Uh, so please, please put your mental health first. If you don't think that you can sit and listen to this, we won't be offended. I want your mental health to be put first over views and clicks and likes and all the rest of it because I, I never used to believe in trigger warnings when I was younger because I've been through, you know, the molestation rape and all of that. And it's never been a trigger for me personally. I think I dealt with it pretty well, even though I was young. Um, I have the attitude of, I have to move, you know, not a lot of people have this. I am fortunate. I am very fortunate that my, um, that the way I can cope with things is to dig deeper into these cases. For me, sometimes it can bring back memories, but I don't want to say I've learned to embrace because you can never embrace something like that. But I want to, I want to save other people if I possibly can, or give them voices um, for any for these heinous things that are done to them. Um, so please switch off. Um, because as I said, your mental health is so much more important to me than anything else. Because I know in the beginning, I mean, I was only about 10, but for, for a good 10 years, this really messed with me. Um, up until I had my own children, I was an absolute wreck. I was a mess and looking back now, I understand why I drank so much. I understand why I abused painkillers and all the rest of it. It all comes along with this. I thought I dealt with it back then, but I hadn't. Um, so, but a psychologist was just brilliant and has helped me get, get past it without having to look back. But as I said, I'm fortunate. And this doesn't happen for a lot of people. Um, I refuse to let it rule my life. But without antidepressants, it does, and it, it would. Um, so if if you prefer not to go like an antidepressant route, or even if you do, that I understand 100% how this can take over your life forever. Um, so please, 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 please put yourself first, and we'll be back with other stuff, other subjects if you will um but i think it's always important or important to make sure that the people know about these cases i'll never understand pedophiles and live streaming what they do i'll never understand why they do what they do which we will cover next week because um i i came across this documentary which intrigued me um, there are a bunch called the Virtuous Pedophiles, I think it was called Virtuous Pedophiles or Predators, and they are pedophiles that have come out saying that they're pedophiles and that they're attracted to younger children, um, but don't act on it. I, I'm, I'm glad that they don't act on it, but 
it's it's a tough one it's a tough one to watch to listen to to understand i'll never understand it um fully um but i i do want to touch on that topic probably next week we've got a few other things planned between now and then um so yeah well i found it fascinating I mean, there wasn't a lot that we could find on it because, of course, a lot of these accounts are locked down um, because when they have come out admitting all of these things, they are abused, well, you know, which I can understand 100%, um, but a lot aren't willing to talk about it. Um, so there, there's sites that they all join to, you know, help each other and everything are, are locked down. Um, there is a lengthy process to be involved in this and honestly, I wasn't going, I, I'm the sort of person that will usually, if you, like, so if you go to my Facebook or to my Instagram and you see me following something that's heinous, like, you know, what was it, the Chauvin, the George Floyd. I I went into that group, Save Chauvin or whatever his name is, Save Him. And of course, I only went there just to see what the mentality is on the side of people wanting to save him. I mean, Derek, Derek, I think that's it. Um, so if you do, please don't ever think if you do ever see me in any of these kinds of groups under under this name or any other you know pen name which i've retired my other pen name now so we're not in the fiction world anymore but if you do please know that i am not there to defend these people i'm not there to defend anything their actions the other people that are going to bat for them i am there simply for the psychology of it all just to try and understand and i ask questions i don't sit there in a and you know say nothing and go through it all because the majority of the time they don't throw you out for saying stuff um because they're never really policed well so whoever sets up these accounts uh usually yeah they don't really well you can understand what type of what type of person would set up an account for that but so I don't know, yeah, so it's not policed well. So I just go in there and ask questions like, why would you do this? Why would you defend this person? Um, so that I've got more content to show the world that there are honest to goodness idiots out there. Honestly. All right, so let's get to today's. Now, some of these names, difficult. So I have ossified them, if you will. <laughs> Made a, I've gone through these some of these names just to try and try and pronounce them properly, but sometimes I just can't. I am an Aussie. You can hear that Aussie accent. I have what they call the Bogan accent, um, which some people I don't really agree with it, but some people have said that you know basically a, a Bogan is the redneck of Australia. Um, where I don't care um, with a lot of things, but you know, <laughs> the, yeah, that, it's the only way I can describe it. Really, people have said that bogans are like rednecks. So, but but most of us are not inbred. I am. Oh my god, we will get to that. I am. I found out. Um, my great grandparents, brother and sister. I'll get into that one. Not today, but I will. It was fascinating. Now, so this is actually, I can't believe I didn't hear about this earlier. I have really dropped the ball on this one um, because usually I will hear about the heinous crimes that go on because of the stupid things I search. Now, this guy is absolutely disgusting. Victor Lifshevsky who was 37 at the time of arrest and he was formerly a pastor at a church, at a local church from where they are. I think it's Russia, pretty sure it was. I am so bad today. Right, um, 
and he was arrested for sexually assaulting many foster children who were under his and his wife's care. Now, the Daily Star reported Victor carried out sickening sex attacks on victims aged 13 or under in the care, in his care, and treated them as his personal harem. When police arrested Victor in June of 2017, after one of the foster girls complained to a teacher, um, he was taken in and I'm pretty sure he was kept in. Now, in this case, which it hasn't gone anywhere, not the case itself, but what we're about to discuss, social services were actually accused of negligence, um, as they are in many, many cases that we have seen, um, where they have completely dropped the ball. So social services accused of negligence when it came to this case, in this case and many others in recent times. So, and I mean, as a comparison, because that case didn't go anywhere. If you saw the Gabriel Fernandez documentary on Netflix, which was absolutely heartbreaking to say the least, um, you would have seen um, that the caseworkers completely dropped the ball leading up to the death of that beautiful little boy. Absolutely heartbreaking. Um, so, four social workers in the Fernandez case was Kevin Baum, Greg Merritt, Stephanie Rodriguez, and Patricia Clement. They, as child as workers, were charged with child endangerment, which resulted in death and falsification of public documents. Now, the court had to decide if. What they had done was a mistake or if it had crossed the line and committed gross negligence um, and recklessness, in my opinion, absolutely they did. Um, but the district attorney claimed Gabriel's death was foreseeable and therefore the social workers should have been held responsible for their actions. Absolutely. The, if you haven't seen it, I urge you to go to Netflix and watch the trials of Gabriel Fernandez. I've watched it a few times now just out of sheer shock. I think I, I watched it, not regularly, but I have watched it, as I said many times, because I cannot understand how nothing was done, how horrible it all was there was injuries on this child on a daily basis and the teacher tried you know usually I don't know if it's the case over there but in Australia if a teacher or a doctor or a nurse um, calls social services it is immediately investigated and they do crack down really hard um, I've seen this in cases regarding to people that I know if it's taken in, especially by a doctor, um, it's treated as a major case. Um, but I don't know if that's just Australia. Um, and I, I, I also realise that there are not enough social workers to do the jobs properly. But when there is a kid that's got constant injuries, there's no excuse of dropping the ball. Absolutely none. But as I said, that's my opinion. Anyway, the defense lawyers for these social workers claimed that the social workers were used as scapegoats and that they had done all they could within the roles of their jobs. Like I said, if you've seen it on Netflix, you'll know that that is a big load of crap. Anyway, Kevin Boom was a supervisor in the emergency response unit. The court was told that he had the file about Gabriel's case um, for around three months and approved that there was a high risk level of neglect in his case. His defense then argued that he did what was his job. 
However, it was also argued that as Stephanie's boss, one of the other social workers that was supposed to be on this case, um, he was equally as responsible for any decisions such as not referring Gabriel for medical help, which also hadn't happened. Now, Greg Merritt, another one of these social workers, was a supervising officer in that case at the same social work department. He had 24 years of experience working with children. And in an interview for that documentary, he said he was responsible for up to 280 children's cases at a time, and that it's impossible to keep up with. Um, but it was his responsibility to oversee the work by Patricia Clement, which I have heard is an absolute not nice person um, and not nice to deal with. Um, he said the case, he then said that the case left him devastated and was like nothing he had ever seen before. Agreed. He said that the social workers tried to do the best they could to manage the caseloads, their caseloads, and would never want a child to die and that they never saw it coming, which is a load of crap. If you it, it just Google this child's name, Gabriel uh, Fernandez, you will see there are timelines from the photos the photos along with timelines of injuries that were on and on again and all this child wanted was his mother's love that is all he ever wanted but for that he was locked in a cupboard for months upon months um so stephanie rodriguez one of the social workers involved was a new recruit um, she was an emergency response worker um, who answered to a supervisor. So she wasn't, she, yeah, she had, she was, I, I'm guessing it's, it's still, um, you know, under review for when you start with these agencies. Um, but she would, as, a, as an emergency response worker, even though she was new, um, she would have been one of the first on the scene to evaluate his case. A colleague um, said it was a mistake to have someone so new in this role, which is true. It should have been someone experienced. I don't know if she tried. I don't know if she reported. I don't know. Um, the extent I have tried doing the research on this, but other than basically what's in the documentary, um, that's kind of all that you see or hear. Um, so <laughs> Stephanie then went on to describe, um, is, Stephanie is described in the Netflix documentary as being gullible and easily manipulated by Pearl Fernandez, which is Gabriel's mother, a rotten human being. Um, Stephanie is also said to have accepted weak excuses for Gabriel's injuries and accept everything his mother said. Some injuries to Gabriel were not um, marked and on a body chart, which is something that they should do. Um, and his, his injuries were never put down. So it is said that, and then further on, Patricia Clement, the woman that has been described as horrible, as a human being altogether, I've heard. Um, she, she was described as a problematic worker, rude and unprofessional by her own colleagues. Not the parents that they're dealing with, the colleagues. And it was also said that Patricia gave different stories um, of her involvement, so she fabricated a few, that is known, um, as when she was dealing with internal affairs and the lawyers. She gave multiple statements that were inconsistent. Um, she says she did her job and nobody ever said anything 
um, said anything to her about the abuse. Oh, she also says um, she never firsthand saw evidence of abuse, which actually came out that there was evidence about from um, one time when Gabriel, it had been marked by his teacher that he had this fresh bruise on his face at this time, you know, on this date. And when it's met up, it's on a date where she was due to go out and see Gabriel. Because of course they have to cite the child. Um, her assessment of Gabriel was flatly called false in the documentary um, and deemed upstanding and caring adult with no criminal history. Apparently there was no red flags when this woman was involved. She said Gabriel's risk was reducing, not increasing and wrote a report that there was no risk to his safety and recommended the case closed. I will put up photos of some of the things she saw and never reported and it'll probably pop up while I'm talking now. Um, but to go back and say that she never saw anything as the biggest load of rubbish um, because this poor kid was oh I'll have to cover the case one day um, anyway in the hearing for these social workers the judge said that the actions of these four social workers represented an improper regard for human life and said that there was a failure at every level so as a result, they were sent to trial, which I was like, I knew about this case before this and I was ecstatic because I felt that finally, finally social work, because I, they were going to seek some sort of punishment for letting this go on. And in my heart, I was like, fantastic. If you go and punish these people that are dropping the ball, then others that are working in social services won't because they will be scared of prosecution. So I was ecstatic. I was like, fantastic. Finally, when, you know, maybe the reports of social workers dropped the ball, social workers didn't get involved and do anything because they thought um, there was no risk. I thought, fantastic. They're gonna start digging deeper and deeper to help these children, unfortunately. But um, the, when sent to trial, they appealed the decision. Um, so the case has never gone to trial. <sighs> um, and they never faced a jury. So it was, the appeal was put before a three justice panel who decided to dismiss the case a three judge panel and they dismissed it. I don't understand why. Why would you dismiss something like that when you can see that it might trigger something in other social workers to help these kids further than they could ever um, or would have ever done before. When there is a true threat to a person themselves they're like oh crap I better do my job and that's all there is um, yeah so it wasn't unanimous it was two out of the three lawyers that um, actually wanted to drop the case so there was one decent judge on this bench um, but there was no probable cause, even though there was the images, the time dates, the timestamps. Police, no matter what, police um, have this way of being able to dig into a photo and see exactly when it was taken, where it was taken, and go from there, which is in a case I saw the other day, they actually got this guy um, for fraud from a simple photo. So this could have been used because the case that I saw 
actually was well before the Fernandez case. So this could have been utilized, um, but it wasn't. Um, so it was, yeah, there was no probable cause connected to the child abuse or falsifying documents. In this day and age, it's not easy to get away with falsifying things um, because everything's computer written now. You know, computer, it, you, you can't falsify anything on a computer, no matter how much you try to destroy the damn thing. So the whole case is mind boggling and frustrating to me, but for many years, children in the welfare, welfare system have been left behind, left behind, forgotten, and the caseworkers are never punished for dropping the ball. Never. Look, the case, social workers, this is my opinion, my opinion only, um, they willingly take these jobs. They do the training to get these jobs. It's not like you just show up and you can be a social worker. You have to have um, tickets for different um, attributes that you can put but um, yeah they willingly agree to protect these children that are assigned to them and extreme cases especially ones such as these they just never face an ounce of discipline so there was a notion to rehear the case in January of this year which is 2020 we're in um, but it was again disregarded so right now the case is not progressing any further whatsoever. And it's been reported that all, all four caseworkers were fired after Gabriel's death, but being fired, what does that do? They're still free to go and, you know, daycare, or they're still free to go and be teachers. They're still free to go and work with children. And they're not gonna protect them then either. So I don't find that discipline whatsoever, getting fired. <sighs> there will never be, they'll, they'll never be brought to justice and so much needs to change. Anyway, back to Victor. Um, now, when he was arrested for these rapes and assaults on the minors that he was taking care of in his home, a senior official of the Russian investigative committee Igor, Igor Komisarov, I hope I've got that right, expressed dismay over um, the alleged reign of terror, of the reign of terror he's been found guilty of now. So he said, just imagine these girls who were given, willingly handed over to a rapist. Why did the so-called foster dad have the opportunity to rape children under his control for five years? So, and so you know, the police officials are even baffled by this. So Victor, who ran a shoe repair business by day and was seen as a model foster father, um, by night he just regularly attacked um, adolescent girls and attacked brutally. He even appeared. This, this he even appeared on local TV with his wife Olga as an example of a successful fostering family. The quote trouble-free family close quote. Um, this is an ABC report. Um, he passed repeated inspections by social care workers. The it's also the couple of on top of all these foster children they're reported to have three children of their own and in over those five years they fostered up to nine more youngsters from orphanages so when it comes to the wife no charges have been brought up against her let me finish <laughs> so because i know at first i was like are you kidding me but then I found out why. So she has said that she had no idea that this was going on. Um, and that the instant, but at the instant that one of these children spoke up to her, she immediately went to the police. We are talking within half an hour, an hour. She 
and reported her husband. Um, she took these, and it's sobering because she actually took the word of these children. A lot of people don't. You will see that a lot of people don't, which I've never understood. I've always been under the Dr. Phil assumption of, Dr. Phil says, I, when it comes to rape and pedophilia, it's guilty until proven innocent. And as a mum, I 100% agree with that. But a lot of mothers don't. A lot of mothers don't. And there's it's cases that we saw this week um, that I've already covered. Um, in the Zoe Wagner case, it's it, sometimes they don't. And there's always a stupid, ridiculous reason. It's usually they love the, they don't want to lose the man. I'll never understand that. I'd rather be single. Um, so yeah, as I said, when it comes to her saying she had no idea what was happening, I can't believe that I believe her. Um, I even I'm still a little bit shocked because usually in a case such as this, I'd call absolute bullshit immediately. But one of their biological children, um, the one she had with Victor, was and still is, he's very sick, very, very sick. And over the years, even through the fostering, she was in hospital with him from, on, constantly. And when at home, this child, and I know that they've clearly they've taken on too much, but she didn't know that they were being, um, they didn't, she didn't know there was a predator in her own home. So she probably, like to her, she probably thought they were coping because there's no ways he would have bitched about anything. Because if he had, then she would, you know, the, the discussion would probably come, well, maybe we can't foster anymore. Then how is he going to get his victims? So that that's that's what I'm thinking. Um, so she was rarely around because her child just kept getting sick and getting sicker and sicker. It doesn't state anywhere what um, this child had, but as a mother of a type one diabetic who has rheumatoid arthritis and crap sugars, I kind of get it. Um, I don't no, and I don't mean abuse usually. <sighs> I need to explain it without. I understand the part of always being in hospital. I understand the part of, oh, I barely know what's going on in my own home um, because I'm in hospital with my daughter or for myself. It, it's a constant regime of just over and over again. Anyway, so Victor was actually paid 265 pounds a month, which is a bit of money. Like in Australian dollars, it's a fair bit of money. Um, so probably a thousand or so Australian dollars a month. Um, personally, in Australia, it would be more um, if you were to foster children. But, you know, I don't know what prices and costs are over in Russia. Um, anyway, so he's paid 265 pound or euro. Or, a month by the state care for which uh, for each of the oh for each sorry oh totally read that wrong so each so that's a lot of money um for the adolescent girls so of course not going to bitch because he's going to also lose all that money um and a local media report claimed uh with the money that the government paid him as a foster parent he used that money to rent an apartment um, locally where he would use that apartment to have sex with either one or another foster daughter every other day. So this was just constant abuse on these beautiful little girls. Anyway, so after the little girl had spoken up, he was taken to trial and found guilty. Um, and then he pleaded guilt as it Things were closing, he admitted. So he was handed a 22 and a half year sentence for committing 900 plus rapes and sexual attacks on the underage schoolgirls. 900. Atrocious. 
as I said, it, he, Victor was 37 at the time of his arrest and the judge in this case um, stated that they were sex, his sex slaves, sexual slaves, and the poor little darlings they were. He was then also found guilty of rape of minors, which was a separate charge because um, it must have been a prior that wasn't living there at that stage from what I've seen, um, and included acts committed with particular cruelty and forcing his underage victims co to commit acts of a sexual nature according to the statement in the courts. That was a hard one to read those statements. Um, of course, a lot was redacted, but it was difficult for what I could see because of these girls were underage at the time. It will be permanently, unless they eventually come out themselves later on in life. But it was a few years ago now, so they'd still be underage. Um, of course, they're going to protect them, which is, I've, all, I've always loved that. I've always loved that they're protected like that, children, when things happen, because the last thing they need is for people to know that this is going on because people can be cruel kids can be cruel just kids can be horrible so victor is now believed to be the worst co convicted pedophile in russian history and i think in the globe 900 900 counts so he's serving his sentence in a strict regime penal colony now if you've seen any of those documentaries on the russian prisons they are tough it is not like over here it is they are locked down and sometimes some sometimes they you know within the system they kill each other because they're locked into their cell for so long which is good um that uh, they begin to hate each other as you would i couldn't handle sharing a cell with someone if i would. lucky in australia most of them not that i'll ever need it but i have done my research um ours are very much like apartments which i really do think needs to change um but over there it's a very different story um so as said he would he's serving it in a strict regime and after he finishes that 22 and a half years he has to do, um do a further two years for charges 270 charges including um further sexual abuse um involving girls aged between 12 and 17. So that was done separately. We got 13 and under and then the 12 to 17. So I'm guessing that this is my best guess. My best guess is it's from children that had moved to another foster family um, and maybe come out later um, after the trial um, became nationwide headlines. He will be, although when he is time is up he will be unable to leave the town where he lives and he has to report regularly to police personally shouldn't ever be out now victor is also banned from working with children for a further two decades after his release two decades wouldn't you think that he'd be banned altogether from working with children wouldn't you think that he'd you know how can you I find that very odd I don't know about the rest of you but that's really odd to say that yeah further wow um I don't know why I'm surprised I was surprised when I first read it and now I'm surprised again I'm not even sure why I'm surprised again um so yeah I find that very odd um mm. anyway but then again I believe pedophiles should be sent straight to their death usually with the parents holding either the gun or being able to beat them to death i think that's parents right i think that there are so many people out there that i i was listening to a podcast yesterday i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head it was a new one i found anyway i know it was from the uk anyway 
and she believes that the death penalty should be taken off the table altogether and that pedophiles shouldn't get life. Now, her reasoning is that the death penalty, there should be room for you know, improvement. There should be room for them to be educated and to stop doing what they did to get them um, in there. Louis Theroux did documentaries on these subjects. And look, there was a, there was a couple that said that they would never do it again, that they've been rehabilitated and that they'd learnt their lesson. But none of us know that. None of us could ever know that for sure. So what are they going to do? Take a pedophile's, a, a pedophile that has been found guilty, has been proven to have hurt these children. So we take their word for it. We take their word that the rehabilitation worked. We, you know, like, so we take away life. It's the, the life sentence is when, when the non-possibility of parole, I'm ecstatic when that happens. But as you see in most pedophile cases, a lot of them only get a couple of years. They don't get a lot, even on brutal, brutal attacks on children. A lot of the time, it's the sentence never matches the crime. Whether there is a match, I don't know. Um, but I, I'll never be able to adjust the th think my way of thinking against death penalty. Um, I believe, and I know that if you plead guilty, the majority, if you plead guilty, the death penalty is off the table. Now, I've never understood that. If you plead guilty, you're guilty. You're admitting that you're guilty. Shouldn't you go to death? There's no if, ands, or buts about did you do it, you know. Um, and yet, if if someone pleads not guilty and is found guilty, they're eligible for the death penalty. It's it's a little bit backwards to me, but I mean, you know, I have a simple brain, so maybe it does make sense. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Um, let me know, you know, I, I'm always willing to learn. I'm always willing to learn and I'm always willing and open to listen to others. So let me know what you think about the death penalty and what you think should happen to pedophiles. I think that they should be castrated immediately. I think that's the first thing that needs to happen before anything else. Guilty, castrate. It's a no brainer. It's like this, there's a guy that was let out, um, he was a known pedophile and he was let out. Now, pedophiles here aren't allowed to live near anything regarding to children, not uh, primary school, schools, daycares, and my husband found out because he would kill anyone. My husband found out that there was a pedophile near, near um, my eldest stepdaughters. So it's a little bit a while ago. They're now 23 and 22. But when they were in primary school, um, he found out that there was a pedophile living behind them. Um, and they were only about seven houses away from the school. So this idiot that I call husband, um, he was so worked up, he was so angry um, that he, and he was drunk when he found out. I'm incriminating him right now. But he was so drunk that he actually, he had a HQ Statesman, which is a very heavy, heavy car. He drove it around like the idiot he was. If he ever tried drink driving while we're to, we weren't together when this happened, by the way. Anyway, he was so angry and so upset and so worried that this person would try and touch his children that he did donuts on the front lawn. He ripped up the entire lawn. Um, and then when, when the father of this pedophile came out, 
what the fuck are you doing? Dean, my husband, he, he was going off. He was telling him, get that fucking pedophile away from my children, our children, the school, get him away. Because if you don't, I'll kill him. Ripped up the lawn some more, contacted the police. He told him what they did. He did. Um, and then five days later, there was a for sale sign up on that house. So sometimes you've got to take the law into your own hand because clearly there wasn't enough reporting going on. Clearly he had put down, he'd falsified statements saying where he was living. Um, so yeah, after that, I don't know where they went. We don't know where they went. Um, it was many, many years ago now. Um, but we don't know where these people go when they get out. We don't know what they're going to do. So, castration all the way. Oh, anyway, in the case, Victor's case, the state prosecutor, Tatiana Filatova, said none of these girls complained because each considered him a father. Some told each other about what had happened, but they were never in a hurry to complain to their mother. The children were taken from an orphanage and none of them wanted to lose their family. So one another. They finally had both a mother and a father. The terrible details came to surface only later. After discussing everything among themselves, one of the girls said that she was not afraid of the father, of Victor, and that she would tell her foster mother everything. So as the mother in turn went to the police, end quote. But the fact that he was able to abuse these children for so many years breaks my heart and boggles my mind. But what hurts my heart even more is the fact that these young girls put up with this abuse for so many years because they finally felt like they had a family. They looked up to this monster and they admitted they did. They looked up to this monster and all they wanted was a stable home life with both a mother and a father, even if that father was sexually abusing them. I can't grasp this. I'll never be able to, but my heart bleeds for these girls because of what he did, so much is gonna happen in their lives, in their head. And it's just absolutely heartbreaking. And they wanted, they didn't go because they did, they wanted to stay out of the orphanage because orphanages usually don't have a great reputation. So they felt it was the only way to stay out was to not say anything. So this is a plea for me. If you ever suspect someone is doing something towards a child, as, as, oh look, this is my opinion because I was abused by a family member between the ages of four and 10. Um, long time abuse. Um, but if you even have an inkling, please speak up, please say something. Um, this ch you know, Cause children need to be heard. They need to know that someone's on their side. They need to know that someone loves them enough to go to bat for them and it's it's like I said before it's better to be wrong you know it's better it's and have it investigated wrong or right it is worth it well thank you all for being here with me now if you've listened to others you'll know that I'm still working on the Taylor McAllister case the um, in between podcasts, um, but please know that it will be worth the wait. Um, I will be sharing things to the profiles this afternoon because the family have now decided to go ahead and get a expensive attorney, but um, they're going to need some help with a GoFundMe. So if when once that's all set up, I will be sure to share it, and it would be really appreciated if you can't donate. That's times are tough. We completely understand that. Um, but if you could share, that share could just even get 
$10 that share could, you know, just, it could help. Um, so Taylor was 22 when she was murdered, but um, the police had uh, treated it as a, what do they call it? Suicide. No, not suicide, overdose, sorry. Um, so, and I've got so much on this case. There is so much um, jail interviews, police interviews, uh, so much wrong with this case, so much wrong. You won't believe your ears, honest to goodness, you really won't. Um, and if you follow the hashtag justice for Taylor 22, you will be able to see everything as well. I, anytime something goes up on that page, I share it, um, because the parents are absolutely lovely and Taylor's had baby twin daughters when she died and they're going to want justice this was 2016 so they're still very young um so please if you see it please um hit the share button that would be really appreciated so i will see you all again tomorrow and yeah thank you for joining and i will speak to you all soon thanks lovelies